Good day and welcome to the Automotive Society podcast. I'm your host, Siraj, and today I'm joined by our wonderful guest, Emin. Hey guys, how's it going? Emin has been part of the Macquarie University Automotive Society since we started almost. And um, yeah, you're you're a mechanic. Yep. Um, and I'm guessing you're really heavily into cars. Yeah, yeah, no, it's... Uh it's definitely, I thought, might as well turn a passion into a career. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, your story today will really help a lot of people in our society and around the world um, trying to gauge if they want to go into cars or not go into cars or if the way they went into cars was different to yours or similar. Mm. Um, so I think this is more of like an interview type. Um, so to start off with, Emin, at what age do you think you got into cars? Um, I think it started when I was really young, when I was, I think when I was like five or six, obviously I didn't really know it had started, but my dad had bought, um, my mum actually had bought my dad a little matchbox, a Hot Wheels like version of like a 19, 1978 Fiat X19. It's a mid-engine rear wheel drive, three-speed manual. Uh, Fiat little target top convertible with pop ups and all the cool, yeah, yeah. cool seventies features. Yeah, and um, he then decided, I've got the Matchbox. I'll go buy the real thing now. And then my mum said, Oh, this was a mistake. And then when he brought it home, uh, he started restoring it because it had a lot, a lot of rust in places. It was like the previous owner lived in Northern Beaches and he had a surfboard, so he left the surfboard in the passenger seat. Yeah, and all the salt water had dripped down into the footwell and rusted a hole through the footwell. Yeah, so he basically rebuilt the car from the ground up, from back to front, full body respray, bare metal, rebuilt all the mechanicals and all the electricals, retrimmed the entire car, found parts from Italy and whatnot, and put the car back together. And I think that's where it started, because I had a little. They bought me a little plastic Formula One pit stop kit with a like a one of those D-type battery electric rattle guns. Yeah. Where you just, um, just for fun. And then I was, there was a picture of me and my dad sitting next to each other. My dad's putting the number plates on his car and I've got my little electric screwdriver thing just playing, pointing it at the car. Oh, wow. So, so straight into mechanical, not into like the looks and stuff. Yeah. More into um, working on them and touching them. And Yeah. I think, I think I've always been more of a function over form person. So your dad's into cars, I'm guessing. Yes, definitely. So that possibly was a good influence. Yeah. 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 He's he's had he's very much a Honda fan. He's had I think eleven or twelve Hondas since he got his license. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, would you like to list some of these Hondas? Um, I think the first one would have been either a Gen two or Gen three Civic sedan, red one with like the gold trim package. Yeah. So all the badges and all the metalwork was all the trimmings were gold. Uh, and then he bought the same model hatchback after that. Um, he's had, or we've had together like combination, like his car and he bought it as my, for, for my first car to learn to drive manual was a, I think they're called the EM1 or the EJ8 two-door Civics. The oh, e, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The EK Coupe. Yeah, I love those. So we, we went and out and um, picked it up from Newcastle. We caught a train to Newcastle and drove it back together. And that was, uh, that was pretty cool as well. Um, he's had the, not the current Gen Civic, the previous Gen Civic hatchback as well. He's had Gen 1 CRV, two Gen, Z, uh, two Gen 1 CRVs. Um, we've had two CRX Del Sols. We've still got one. Um, we've also had an Accord. Um, yeah, I think that's. I'm sure there's one more, one or two there that I've missed and I haven't quite. I didn't really know about, or he hasn't told me about yet. But he's got a whole like photo album full of every single car he's ever owned. Wow, that's crazy. So yeah, I'm um, safe to say a good Honda fan. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I I used to be one of those too. I I've had quite a few Hondas. Um, not the long list that your dad has had, but <laughs> still quite there. Um. So, what do you drive today, Emin? Well, today, technically not my car, but I am driving uh, my dad's Del Sol. 
Yeah. Because my car is in the process of having a major surgery. Um, and uh, we're going to be putting a Renesis 13B into it. And it's going to be quite the quite the project, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, normally people would be like, oh, putting a 13B Renesis into um, your RX-8, that's probably broken yet again. But no, it's not an RX-8, is no. it? No, no, it's going into, into the 1992 MX-5. So, NA MX-5 with the pop-ups. Yeah. Getting rotary love. Yeah, all the all the good bits. Um, bold choice with the Renesis. Normally, people do the FD motor, you know, the REW. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess it's a bit more cost-effective. It kind of doesn't hurt the wallet as much, and I think it might be a better choice for blue slipping or engineering-wise, getting it to be legally registered to the car. Yeah, well, you're not really making the extra 20% power with this, yeah. so, so that's pretty good. Um, and from... People who actually know you well will mm. know that you're all about NA power. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all all about naturally aspirated power or linear power bands. I really like linear power bands, so I, I wouldn't be opposed to at some point having a supercharged car. I'm not totally against turbocharged car, but to have fun and really get the most out of a car, I prefer to have natural aspiration. Yeah, and um, I don't know if Emin's going to be really really humble about this or modest, but um, you're actually quite fast of a driver. <laughs> Um, on the road, legally, legally, I'd like to say this was in Mexico. <laughs> Mexico, <yeah. laughs> private, private road in Mexico. Private property in Mexico. Yesterday. Um, my uncle had it, you know, and yeah. um, and Emin down here is is a is a crazy man. <laughs> um, even his NA little Del Sol yeah. that makes not much power was hard to keep up with me in my three hundred kilowatt Evo eight. So it is what it is. Yeah. I just I guess like it just I like I don't like to I don't I don't think I'm as fast as Siraj suggests I am, but I I definitely like to push the cars that I own as far as I'm comfortable going. I only like to go as far as what makes me happy, what brings me joy. So I don't do things to the point where it becomes Life endangering. I think. I'm sure Smokey Nagata said the same. Thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Smokey Nagata was never there. He wasn't on that freeway. It was someone else. <laughs> was they, someone he else. was framed. Yeah, um, he was just doing a comfortable speed down the highway. As yeah, do. yeah, sixty kilometers an hour, from what I recall. That's it. Yeah. So, so your journey from your dad's car. What was your What was your first car? First car that I bought, or first car that I technically owned, or like kind of first car I ever had experience driving. Well, yeah, the first car you got into modifying and, and working on. Um, um, so the first car that I got into working on, I guess you could, if you want to call it that, was the the EM1, but it was just a single cam. It was a D16 engine, 1.6 liter single cam. Yep. Um, the one that we picked up from Newcastle. And the first thing I did on that was I changed the gear knob. Nice. And that, was, that was the extent of the modifications because I went overseas for a for a school trip and I came back and the car was gone and I said where's the car and they said oh it broke down so we sold it <laughs> no yeah they sold it it was a really cool car and I had I've got a wallpaper I don't know if you remember but there was this guy that did uh online car rendering called Emma Hussman yes yeah he had done an EM1 render with like a nice body kit GT wing canards T37s and everything and it looked great and it was the exact same color as the car that I had and that was my template. That's what I was going to build. That's crazy. And then my parents went and sold it. But at the time, I was in year 10 at the time. So I didn't really know that I was going to turn cars into a career. Yeah. So yep. I didn't. I wasn't looking at mechanical things, what I can fix, how I can fix things. I was just like fiddling around with the car having yeah. fun. Well, well a, a gear knob is definitely yeah. a great cheap first mod that makes a massive difference yeah shout out to episode two of our podcast go <laughs> and watch it for useful mods yeah um so okay so that was the first car you worked on yeah did you do anything in high school towards cars like as in did you do any courses in high school um, unfortunately not because i wanted to for my from year 10 we were allowed to choose our some of our subjects there were a couple of mandatory subjects like maths and english um, but, uh, some people decided to do TAFE courses or VET courses. Yeah. Um, I wanted to opt for 
a, a VET course as well, but for I can't remember too well why, but for some reason the school couldn't uh, facilitate that to do a mechanical kind of course. Um, so you mainly, actually missed out. Yeah, I missed out on doing that kind of stuff at school. Ah, oh, um, damn. Yeah, I, yeah, I reckon. I reckon you would have started your career a lot earlier. Yeah. Though. I mean, I tried to, I tried different excuses to try and get some kind of automotive thing into into school to make to give them a reason to let me do a car thing. Like for yeah. my one of my physics um, projects, I brought my RC buggy that I used to race in St. Ives. Yeah. Um, I brought that out for a science experiment. I convinced the teacher that it was a good idea, but I just really wanted to rip around the school in an RC car. <laughs> um, well, that's 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 always good to see. <laughs> People who like cars, involving cars into every other thing they have. Boring and mundane tasks like school and physics. Yeah. Um, Okay. So then let's say you finished high school. Mm -hmm. What did you you go around driving in? Um, I was still on my L's when I finished high school because I was advised by my parents but that uh, studying was more important than learning to drive. So I didn't didn't get my P's until... um, maybe half a year into my apprenticeship. Yeah. So that was uh, 2014. So oh, I yeah. started, when I left school, I was driving around in my, uh, I was learning to drive in my Wait, parents. so you started being an apprentice mechanic without a license? Yeah. What? That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. I was confused as well because I asked my manager, the, the guy who was interviewing me, the service manager, I said, so you, you don't need me to have a license? He's like, no, it's fine. You'll get your license soon, right? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I was driving my parents, either my parents X trail, I think it was a 2013 or 12 model X trail or their 2012 civic, which they specifically bought. They needed a new car and they said, Oh yeah, we'll buy a manual car. Do you like this one? I was like, yeah, it looks cool. And then I ended up when I got my P's, I ended up buying a 2004 GDB Impreza RS, naturally aspirated two and a half liter four door sedan. Ooh, Ooh yeah, that's a Subaru. Start. Oh yeah, that's that's my Subaru life started. Yeah, I didn't even know about this car to be honest. Really? Um, no, I didn't know about it. Um, oh, okay, so there you go. So you started off with a Subaru. Yeah, yourself. that was that was the first car that I ever bought with my own my, like earned money. That's crazy. Most a lot of people start on Subarus. Yeah, I feel like it's a very good first car to have. You can't you can't resist the allure of a flat four. Really? It's almost Porsche-like. I think it's more the cheapness of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the fact that they're cheap and easy and look cool when you spend a little bit of coin on the <laughs> aesthetics. Um, yeah, fair enough. So, I actually... My parents had the same issue where I wasn't allowed to get my license because study was more important mm-hmm. as being from an ethnic family. But um, I booked my own L's and yeah. I went and got them without my parents knowing. Oh, okay. So I rocked home and I was like, so guys, when are you taking me out driving? <laughs> and they were like, well, you're never getting a license, so it doesn't matter. And I was like, I already have my <laughs> you're license. You're never getting your license. Yeah, I was like, I already have my license. Don't worry about it. <laughs> 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 um, and then with my P's as well, I booked my P's in myself and um, I took my mum out being like, oh, the morning off, I told my mum, I was like, mum. I'm taking your car. I have a P's test today. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm getting my license today. <laughs> I was in year 11 yeah. or at the end of year 11. And um, and it was at that point that my parents realized how real it was that I was <laughs> going to start driving. Um, well, obviously, I, I had driven with them before on my L's and did my hours and all that. Yeah. Um, but it was just a shock that they were like, oh, it's already time for P's. And, um, and my dad said, no. Don't worry about your mum's car. Take my car and do the peace test on my car. Um, what that was, was your dad's car? My dad's car yeah. was a Accord Euro. Ooh. Honda Accord Euro, Ooh. 2008, I think. 2.4 litre VTEC power. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it was good. Um, it did the job, I guess. I, I don't think my mum's car was very road legal anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably better that I did it in the Accord. Um, but yeah, I got my peas first try. Um my mum was ecstatic because it took my mum <laughs> six tries to get her <laughs> full license. Um, but, you know, she should not be on the road. So oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> one of those mums. I got one of those mums as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should not be on the road. No. Um, but, yeah. So, here we are today. Yeah. Um, so, then, Forrester. Oh, no. What did you No. Have? After that. After So, after, I think I had the Impreza for about a year. 
Yeah. Um, did in you do that time. To it? Oh yes, definitely. What did you do? Definitely. To it? So the first, the very first thing I did, again, gear knob. Nice. Yeah. Nice. When I when I got a super cheap order gear knob, it looked like it had an upside down exclamation mark on it with the two silver no. rings on top. So tell me more about it. It's it's a what five speed manual? Yeah, five speed manual. Uh, two and a half liter dual cam, so one cam per head. Yep. Um, and it was. Well, it kind of needs to be with a flat four, doesn't it? Well, no, it can be quad cam. Two cams per head. Oh, ah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there was j- it was like it was almost a WRX, but it really wasn't. But I really <laughs> wanted it to be. So I started. So that was so I did, did the gear knob, of course, and then stereo. Did speakers and head unit. Ah, uh, classic P player. Yeah, ones. yeah. For the green, uh, for the red peas, got to got to get the music pumping. Let people know how awesome you are. Um, and then after that, I did a Canon. Uh, a diff back Canon Supercat muffler. Nice. That fell off. For people who don't know what a Canon is, it is <laughs> a very, very big abyss <laughs> of muffler. It's just the dark void. Yeah. We're all, we're all... <laughs> where all farty noises come yeah. from. <laughs> where, where all decency and kindness to people's eardrums goes out the window. Yeah. it's based, So uh, I'm going to say it was probably a three and a half inch, four inch cannon. No, actually the, tip. the inlet was two inch. Yeah. And the outlet was two and a half, I think, or three. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah, it was pretty modest. It, it was, it was nice. Bad. My first cannon was four and a half inch. Oh my God. Outlet. So, you know. When I wanted to burst eardrums, I wanted to burst right, everyone's okay. eardrums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no discrimination. Yeah, everyone. no, it's everyone. everyone's bleeding. Everyone experiences it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then not long after that, I got uh, some BC Racing V1 coilovers. And to go with them, I bought the 17-inch WRX wheels in gunmetal gray. Wow, as a P-plater, you got... You got coilovers. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to go fast around corners. Damn. So I needed needed that stability, yo. Setting setting the best lap record around the Macca's drive through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but once I'd put the coilovers in, with literally within a week of putting the coilovers in, the car got sideswiped uh on Pacific Highway and had to be sent off for repair. So I'm glad I didn't have the wheels on there as well. Nice. I only had the the factory sixteens on it. Yep. So and then after the after everything got repaired and I got the car back, I uh, got the suspension inspected, make sure my brand new coilovers were okay. Um, bought some fully hectic Hankook Optimos K four one fives, slapped them on the seventeens and put those wheels on, and the car was mint. Nice. And then I think the last mod I did to it was unequal length headers, of course. Oh, okay. That's a that's a good good mod. Yeah, the fuel economy went out the door. I did not expect a P plater to go to the headers. Yeah. Um, well, usually we it's it, usually it's limited to you know exhaust, stereo, yeah, interior bits and pieces, carbon fiber wrap everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, well, we were. I was borderline buying a WRC body kit. Were you? Yeah, wing like front bar, side skirts, rear bar, and a a wing. To, to complete the whole and my bot my workshop controller at the time cracked the joke and he said you should put a w in front of the rs so you've got a w rs as like a pretend oh my w- god <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah it was borderline that and this was at the time when the laws for people had changed so that you could legally drive a wrx on your p's yes i remember that yeah so this if th- you had bought a wrx at that time you would have been the coolest people yeah. around because that law of letting P platers drive WRXs lasted three months. Yeah. Before out Sydney West, the amount of WRXs that got pulled <laughs> over with P platers on them going way too fast instantly got banned. So yeah. all WRXs were banned for P platers literally three months after they made that rule. Yeah. But if you already had one, (laughs) you had an exemption. Yeah, I remember this. I said, if you've already bought it and it's under your name, it's the only vehicle you own. You're allowed to drive it. You're allowed to keep it, yeah. You can get an exemption. Yeah. Which would have made you the coolest P-plate around driving a P-plate prohibited car legally. Yeah, yeah. So in my head, I was like, WRC body kit, driving an actual WRX. So I decided to sell the car. And I ended up making the money back for the mods that I did. Yeah. Um, for any international listeners, I, I apologize. P-plates. So <laughs> in Australia, um, 
we get our learner permit, which lasts of a year, and you have to do 120 hours um, of driving with a supervising full licensed driver. And then you get a provisional license, a red provisional license, which lasts a year, and then a green provisional license that lasts two years before you can sit your test for your full license, which is no restrictions. Yeah. Um, so P-platers are generally regarded as 17, 18-year-olds fresh on their car license and want to do dumb stuff to their yeah. cars. And um and, and also in their cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And drive around like hoons. Mm. Um, um so then realizing that I could legally own and drive a WRX, I decided to sell the car. Um but then I ended up breaking my foot playing basketball. Oh how do you break your foot playing I, basketball? So I was I rolled my ankle that's like breaking your hand playing soccer well i've fractured my wrist playing soccer how do you fracture <laughs> your wrist playing football because i was the goalkeeper when i went to save the ball oh, the my goal- wrist okay, okay, my okay. hand wrapped around the goalpost okay that because makes the sense. ball hit the end of my hand and like pulled it around and fractured okay. it next minute i thought yeah. i mean was gonna be like i was a striker <laughs> and um and i broke my wrist because i hit the ball too hard <laughs> with my foot <laughs> yeah the shock wave went all the way up my leg into my <laughs> yeah. wrist Snapped it. Yeah. Um, no, I ended up... I uh, So, I rolled my my ankle, uh, I think, inwards. Ouch. And it ended... And it was while... So, I was turning around to f- to face the oppos- opposing team. And I was running at full pace. And the guy with the ball had come up on my left. So, I turned around to my left and my foot dragged on the ground. Yeah. And my full weight ended up on my left ankle. And it ended... I got emulsion fractures through the top of my foot. Up my oh. ri- uh, up my ankle, so I was in a cast for a month, and in that month, they changed the laws again, and I'd already sold my RS. Oh. So when I went, I went. I only had an opportunity to look at one WRX. It was a bug eye, so a previous shape from the one that I already had. Yeah. Um, and the guy wanted way too much money for the car because it had too many problems. It had an engine light on, and I told him, I was like, "What's the engine light for?" And he's like, "Oh, don't worry about it." And I was like. But engine lights usually mean bad things, right? And he's like, yeah, no, I took an O2 sensor out. So it kind of like runs a bit rough sometimes and makes <laughs> pop and bang noises. And it's all the cool stuff. I was like, but engine lights aren't cool. <laughs> engine lights mean bad. Oh, I'm glad you had that much. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And That's we we argued about it for a bit. And I was like, all right, well, I'll give you eight grand for the car. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not taking anything less than 10. I was like, mate, the car's got 250,000 kilometers on it. Far out. I'm not paying 10 grand for a car with an engine light and high kilometers. Jeez, you know those those WRXs that gen mm. goes up and down quite a lot. It fluctuates in yeah. price still even to this day. Because I'm I think uh, from memory they had a special edition that was at the time the world's fastest WRX. I think it was called the S two hundred seven. Oh yes. Yeah, they had that special edition. Like they've had many special editions called, o- over the years, but the S two hundred seven and now currently for the VA STIs the S two hundred nine. World's fastest production WRX and STI. Wow. So I did not know about this special edition. Uh, I knew they had one like cool one, but I thought it was just like tuned by STI or something random. No, no, no. So that they actually had like a lighter, faster WRX or STI, I think. Oh, okay. So that's like um like Evos have the RS, for example, which is like the race spec, mm. so the LiDAR. Yeah. And um, the even the S two thousands had one as well, but we didn't get them. They're in the in the States they had the S2000CR, which was a competition ready. Ooh. Yeah. Stripped out interior. I've never heard of More this. power. Um, I think it had a faster, higher RPM. <clears throat> um, and yeah, no radio, no power windows, I think. That it sounds fancy. And a hard top. That's where everybody gets the factory hard tops from. Factory hard yeah. tops. Yeah, well, but I've only ever seen people with the spoon hard top. Yeah. And the spoon hard top is quite popular for S2Ks. Yeah, so they had. I'm a big fan of SDKs. I really like them. Mm. I feel like yeah. if I wanted a Honda, that's the Honda I want. Yeah, I'd I'd get an NSX, Gen like a Gen One. I think I'd get an SDK over the NSX. Really? Yeah, I think I would, because I'd be too scared to drive an NSX around every day. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. You'd get robbed almost every second. <laughs> yeah, people will be at your throat saying, "Give me that car." <laughs> It'll be too low, and then like it's such a weird experience. I've never. 
own uh, mid-engine car. Yeah. Um, I've driven heaps, but never owned one. So. Right. Okay. Um, they don't seem very practical. They're very practical. I feel like the S2K would be more practical than an NSX. Every any car can be as practical as you want it to be if you're willing enough to try. Uh, of course, said so rightly by an N- MX-5 owner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A car I that mean, fits nothing. What do you mean? I fit a toolbox in my MX-5. What's what's the size of this toolbox? It's a normal size toolbox. I don't know why I'm I'm waving my hands around trying to dip, show you guys what the size of the toolbox <laughs> is. <Yeah. laughs> um, um. But yeah. Yeah, no. So that uh, that mission failed. Getting a WRX failed. So you did not get a WRX. I did not get a WRX. My hopes of having a turbo flat four dashed by New South Wales government once again. Yeah, yeah. As uh, the Nini State, it's called. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so what 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 did you, what did you do? How did you resolve this issue? Um, I resolved this issue by taking the rear muffler off of my dad's Honda CRV. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a fix or if that's going down a completely different rabbit hole (laughs) (laughs) so because i was like i need i need car noises i need something that it it was manual it was a crv sport buying another car you decided to hack up your dad's car yeah no i didn't hack it up it was bolted on so i just unbolted it and put it in the boot okay that's good that's good most people players i know just angle grind no 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 angle grinders here okay um so yeah i drove around in that until i found something to drive but i didn't get the chance to find something to drive because that car got written off while I was driving it. The CRV? Yeah. For the pettiest reason. What did it, you do? Uh, there was a, maybe a golf so- golf ball sized dent in the fuel tank after the car got rear-ended. So yeah. it got rear-ended. It was a light tap. Yeah. Both cars were fine. Yeah. But because my dad wanted the car to look nice, he said, oh, the paint's cracked and everything's falling off. So sent it to insurance and they said, oh, the exhaust has been pushed into the fuel tank and there is a dent. We have to write the car off for safety reasons. And we're like, but it's not leaking fuel. So, yeah, it doesn't matter. Policy says we have to write the car off. Okay, well, that's uh, there's two things wrong with that. One, yeah, it's not leaking. What the hell's the point? It's just a tank. Yeah. Secondly, why not just replace a fuel tank? I don't know. I guess uh, the insured value of the car... Exceeded. No, the repairs the exceeded. Fuel tank. The, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. How They'd expensive s- is this fuel tank? I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't question it. Honda CRV, the most expensive fuel tank you can buy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after the CRV, my quest for finding a car continued, and I miraculously got my hands on a 1989 Unos Roadster. Ooh. Ooh, a proper, like a Jap imported Unos Roadster. And I was so excited about the car, I didn't do any proper inspections on it. I just said, I'll take it, because it was painted in the new Soul Red as well, the metallic maroon red. Oh. And it was low. And it was cool and it had all like the side mounted number plate. And I was like, yep, this'll do. I'll take it. It's got an LSD. It'll do skids. It's just fine. That is true. That is true. Sounds appealing to a P plater. Yeah. Um, and then after buying it, it slowly started falling apart. Oh, no. Yeah. I asked one of my friends to adjust the. They had manual mirrors, manual wing mirrors. Oh, yes. So I asked him to adjust the mirror and I didn't realize that it was seized. And he just like bent it and broke it off. Yeah. Almost hit the ground. Um, we almost lost that I, I know that you're traumatized by that because I told Emin to adjust my mirrors the other day on uh, my <laughs> MX-5 and Emin goes, no. And I was like, what do you mean? Yeah. No. And he's like, I'm not touching it. And I was like, oh, okay, well then I'll adjust it. Can you just relax? And he was like, no, don't touch it. <laughs> like, yeah. why can't I touch it? He said, it'll fall off. What do you mean it'll fall off? <laughs> so, so have you adjusted the mirror? I did adjust the mirror and it did not fall off surprisingly. Okay. okay. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> can't believe this can't believe the mirror that's meant to be adjusted <laughs> is actually adjustable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I've had a bad experience with wing mirrors. <laughs> and I like and even even I've had I've had three MX5s since the first one, so including the first the Unos, I've had two more. Yeah. And so th- what happened in the first one? Did so you the, fir- the first one, it was great car. I had um I'd bought some really nice uh teen shock and spring suspension yeah. off of a friend and I, I put that on. Yep. Perfect height. Everything was beautiful. The only problem was that the wheels that the car came with were too wide so it scrubbed at certain steering angles and oh, the back scrubbed when the car went through bumps. This sounds familiar. Um, but I realized that the reason it didn't scrub in the other car was not the ride height. It was because the shocks were seized. 
So they weren't really doing their job. So it was just stuck in the same position. Jeez, that was that a bumpy ride? It was a very bumpy ride. Yeah, I can imagine. I regretted putting the old suspension back in because I loved the teens so much. It was really smooth. It, gl- it like it just it would just glide through corners so well. Yeah, it was very stable. The only problem was that it scrubbed. The the, the rubber was touching the guards. Uh. Um, after doing that, uh, I noticed that the crank pulley or the harmonic balancer had started wobbling. The the inevitable death wobble of the one point six liter engines. Uh, is this the short crank problem? Yeah, it was a short short nose crank engine. Um, and I'm guessing the previous owner or previous tech who worked on the vehicle had not done the um, timing belt replacement properly and they'd caused the crank pulley to come loose and wobble. So in a pan... And I'd noticed some rust as well. Like I could put my finger through the bottom of the car and touch the carpet. That's no and good. Yeah, that's no good. So I sold that. Um, actually, I've got to correct myself. The CRV got ridden off after I sold the Unos, so uh, I, went, I went I went back to driving the CRV, and then it got ridden off. Um, and I insisted on buying another MX Five, so I managed to find one in Wollongong or Shell Harbour, to be more specific. Yeah. Um, picked that up from an old couple that was a 1993 with a short nose crank again, but it didn't have the wobble of death. Um. It That's even a good sign. It even came with a hard top. Pick, Ooh. Yeah. Low kilometers. It only had 110,000 kilometers on it. Everything I mean, that's was... jackpot. It was. It was jackpot. It had AC, but it didn't have power steering. I didn't... I wasn't fussy about that. I didn't... I preferred no power steering. Yeah, I think I preferred no power steering. Yeah. I don't have it now, and I've never been like, oh, I wish I had it. Yeah. No, it's... I don't think it's a necessity It's a tiny car. It weighs like Wait. 900 kilos. Yeah. So, we picked that up, um, drove it back... It was a beautiful ride. I ended up putting the teens in that, in that car, and that was again beautiful suspension. It worked great, uh, but I only got to enjoy that car for two weeks um, because it got written off as a result of a lady running a red light and hitting the car head on. Oh, and okay, actually, did that hurt? Yes, <laughs> yeah. but only because my foot was my left foot was firmly planted on the clutch. So when the accident happened, my foot slipped off the clutch and hit the firewall and the pedal went up the side of my leg. The clutch pedal flicked yep. and went up the side of my leg. So it's kind of scratched my foot and my foot was sore for a bit. Yep, yep. Um, I, this is, um, I'm nodding my head furiously because I got rear-ended in my MX-5 yeah. last week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, and it, was, it turned out, because this cabin is so dang small. Okay? Yeah. It turned out I was sitting in a traffic light and I wanted to stretch my left foot. So I was like, ooh, I'm going to stretch it. So I put my foot all the way out. Like I was pressing the clutch, but I also started leaning back into the seat to like just stretch my leg yeah. out completely flat out. And um, at this exact moment is when the guy behind me, a Camry, decided to rear end me and sent my entire hip into like <laughs> oblivion into the leg, which then ended up with the same stuff that happened to you happened yeah. to me and oh my god my leg was so sore for the next day basically yeah and then, and then it fixed itself but um i had a movie to watch that night i was watching the new spider-man Great yeah movie 10 out of 10 yeah I've, i saw it the other night loved it 10 out of 10 and um so i was like i'm not going to the doctor because <laughs> i gotta Marvel go calls i gotta watch spider-man spider-man I, i've been waiting for this movie for so long yeah i gotta watch it on release day kidding me i'm not i'm yeah. not going to the doctor <laughs> <laughs> you can take my leg. I don't want it. I'm gonna watch Spider Man. But um, but it was like a tiny little bump, right? This guy's number plate was smashed. His bumper was like misaligned so badly. And you look at the MX Five, not a scratch. Yeah, not a scratch. Took it like a champ. What yeah. a what a little tank. Yeah, no, they're they're great. They're troopers. Like even after the accident, I just turned my car on and drove it back to work, back to the dealership. <laughs> And this lady had to call a tow truck because her big, fancy, brand new Mitsubishi Outlander couldn't start anymore. Yeah, there you go. So head-on collision. Uh, yeah, yeah, head-on. It was head-on, but like we were at at a right angle. So she was turning right into a side street. Yeah. And I was coming down the main road at Pacific Highway. Ah, okay. And it was wet as well. So M- MX-5s don't have ABS. So I hit the brakes and nothing happened. I just slid straight into the front of their car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't okay. know. I don't understand what was going through her head. She'd stopped in the middle of the road after seeing me and my friend coming through the intersection. 
Yeah. And didn't keep going. She, if we, she, if she kept going, would have been fine. What the yeah. hell? So, um, random yeah. hesitations that people have. But yeah, that uh, that accident hurt more on the inside than it did on the outside. Oh, I can yeah, imagine. I, d- I did. I did shed a tear or two in the car, and then we moved our cars to the side of the road and went through all the car accident procedures. I I had to call the police because it seemed like they were doing a bit of uh, dodgy business. What kind of dodgy business? They were. They had me on the phone with their cousin, who was supposedly a lawyer, and oh, they okay. and they suggested going to court. And I said, "No, we're not going to court. I'm going through my insurance company, and I'm calling the police." Yeah, that's a bit dodgy, eh? Yeah, because what they told me in person was different to what they told the police. Because they oh. told me they had insurance and they were covered and everything, and they they lived here. But what they told the police officer was they didn't have any kind of insurance whatsoever. The car was rented, and they were from Melbourne. Oh my god! Yeah, so, and this drag, this accident dragged on. Um, I think it was GIO I was insured with. They called me about a year and a half later and said, "Yeah, we're still fighting these people. Do you mind just refreshing, like going over your statement again?" I said, oh, "The statement's the same. Like whatever I told you guys happened that night is that's what happened that night. Nothing's changed." Yeah. Like yeah, unfortunately, it's a procedure. We have to make sure that everything matches up. And yeah, there was still. Fo- I still don't know who, like, how they resolved that. What happened? But you got to your it. money back. Yeah, no, I got the money back. I bought the car back as well, and uh, ended up doing a chassis swap with another MX5, which I picked up for a measly cost of two thousand dollars. Wow. <clears throat> um, but it came with a broken differential, so it broke five minutes after buying it. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, that was good and bad, right? Yeah. Well, I knew it. I knew it had a different uh, damaged driveline. Yeah, and I knew the risk of driving it was like breaking mechanical components, but it was a risk I was willing to take for two thousand dollar MX5. But hey, you had a whole spare MX5 at yeah. home anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. So, so you swapped everything from the old jackpot MX5 into this new jackpot MX5. New jackpot MX5, <laughs> yeah, which wasn't much. as great, I'm guessing. Well, no, it had its pros and cons. It had a really nice front lip on it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> okay, so it had a two hundred dollar pro. And probably minus seven hundred dollars of cons. Yeah, yeah. It probably had higher kilometers. Yeah, no. It had this one had uh, no hard top. Three hundred thousand kilometers, no hard top. Um, but it was uh, not written off shell and chassis, so I, I was pretty happy with better than nothing. Yeah, better than nothing. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, what what sort of mods do you recommend people with their MX five? Um, MX fives. If you just want to have fun and enjoy the car i'd uh i'd just stick with tires and suspension i think that's would, it yeah i think that would be if you really want to be one with the car i guess you can go you get yourself a bucket seat like sparko sprints bolt straight onto the factory rails it's the easiest seat replacement you can do um for suspension any entry level coilover kit can can be sufficient really and tires i really really enjoy my um yokohamas that i've got on my del sol on my dad's del sol the 8008rs i'm very very happy with their performance i've had hankook rs4s as well and they don't perform anywhere near as good as these i've heard rs4s are not so great in the wet they're good in the dry but not so great Mm. in the wet yeah the the rs4s they can't handle as many heat cycles as the Yokohamas can. And I've noticed that they tend to understeer before they grip. Ah, okay. Fair so, enough. Yeah. Whereas the, the Yokohamas, they carry the car through the corner like it's on rails. Fair enough. Fair bit, enough. A bit more expensive, but I, it's worth it. I'd, yeah. I'd say it's worth it. So this MX-5. Yes. How long did it last? This MX-5, uh, after doing the chassis swap, the chassis swap took about two days, which was fantastic because I was allowed to use um, two hoists at work because I started on a Friday afternoon. Um, one of my friends and I uh, rolled the damaged shell into the workshop and started unclipping every wiring connector or harness that was connected from the chassis to the engine and gearbox. Um, we had everything loose and prepped to remove both subframes. And the good thing about the MX-5s is they've got the power plant frame, the PPF, the bolts that mates the gearbox to the differential. So when yep. you unbolt the subframes from the car, it stays rigid. Yep. 
So you can just, you, we, what we did was we had a trolley jack under the front subframe. And when we removed, we separated the body off of each car. We just rolled the engine gearbox differential and suspension all together around the workshop. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It just, um, it was like it was on casters. So we just rolled everything around, swapped them over, bolted everything back up and we were done by Sunday afternoon. That's so good. And yeah, didn't even need to do any blues. Uh, I did, you didn't technically need to blue slip anything but for legal reasons i decided i'll do it because the engine numbers were different but the engines were identical so i went and got um got the engine number matched to the chassis okay okay so you did it properly yeah yeah i didn't didn't want any extra headaches yeah from um getting visits or getting pulled over by the police and saying this doesn't match that yeah yeah so it was on the road yeah no it was on the road for uh, i think three years Three years before that one met an uh, uh, untimely end, I guess, or a pause. It's had a pause in its life. Um, while driving, had some, made some mistakes. Yeah. Made some decisions that were not the best. And it ended up um, meeting a traffic light. Yes, yes. Mistakes um, that rhyme with... Um those round things with holes in the middle, some would call donuts. Ah, yeah, yeah, tasty. This one wasn't tasty, it was a bit sour. This one was a bit sour. Yeah, a bit of a um, sour donut. Uh, I guess it was an expensive mistake. Yes, very. It's not even the fine. We, we have, I've only, I think I'm only a quarter of the way through the cost of this repair, <laughs> yeah. this, this build. Um, um, so getting the bodywork repaired and the chassis fixed, um, I decided not to write this one off. Because if uh, or claim insurance, I didn't go through insurance with this one because they would have written it off immediately without inspecting it. Of course, and I really didn't want to let it go. Not because of I don't see the monetary value of this car. I see the sentimental value. I rather keep the car because it just means a lot to me. Just it's it's my rock. It's the devil Miata. The devil Miata. <laughs> That it will it will be it, reborn. It crashes, it but it gets reborn. Yeah, if if anyone knows Renewed. what we're talking about, they know. <laughs> Renewed and yeah. it comes back. Um, um yeah. So, so okay, so that's that's what's in the build now with the 13B Renesis. Yeah, 13B. It's had the chassis work and rep- the all the everything panel related repaired. It hasn't been painted yet, um, but all of the structural work has been repaired. Um, that was uh, that was a very very expensive. Uh, very expensive sour donut, seven thousand dollar sour donut. So I hope Krispy Kreme doesn't jack up their prices that high. Oh, you would you would be crying. <laughs> um, so that that brings us up to date on your cars, basically. Yeah. Um, and then your dad's practically given you the Del Sol. Yeah, yeah, pretty because much. Because that thing breaks down every second day. Well, it only breaks down when he's got it. When I've got it, nothing goes wrong. Is that because you're used to things going wrong and you ignore them? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and yeah. and he's more like, I mean, this is not working. Yeah, yeah. He turns. He go every time if I drive, even if I drove to their house just to visit them, and then I turn the car, I try and t- start the car when I'm ready to leave, and it doesn't start. It's it only happens when I'm at their house. <laughs> I don't know what it is. So that was your latest issue, wasn't it? That it wouldn't start every now and then. Yeah. So it would. It was a intermittent uh, crank, but no start. So we figured out that it was getting uh, almost everything it needed. Like it had, uh, timing was right. Uh, It had spark, but on occasion it wouldn't have fuel. But we knew that the fuel pump was working. So my boss and I started probing into the electricals of the car, started looking at the ECU as well. And we noticed that um, the the injectors, the fuel injectors weren't pulsing when they were meant to. And then eventually it started, uh, the car started again, but it was, it, it wouldn't start the first go, wouldn't start the second go, and it'll start the third go. But then it'd switch back to starting the first go after that. And then it'd take two tries to start it. So we decided to send the ECU off for, uh, to get inspected and tested. And it turns out that some internal components, some electronic components had leaked um, electrical acids and damaged the circuit board. So we had that repaired and now the Del Sol is back to its somewhat former glory. Yep, yep, okay. So, just a fried circuit. Yeah, yeah, so some damaged circuitry. Yeah, easy fix. So, now the Del Sol's back. Yeah. 
What else does it need? Um, I want to. I think the coilovers that it has fitted to it are not very good. Very eBay China spec coilovers. Um, so I'm gonna try and buy some new coilovers for it, and maybe get some new suspension bushes for it. Um, and other than that, I'm pretty happy with the car, with the way the car drives and handles. Yeah. Uh, it needs some like cosmetic repairs. Also my fault. Um, but otherwise, it's a great car. Very capable car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, might I add that Emin has had another car or two cars in the middle that he's completely missed on. Oh, true. There was a Subaru Forester. Yeah, there was a there was a SG a 2005. It was borderline SG5, SG9. Um, turbo XT Forester, two and a half liter. That made 197 kilowatt at the wheels and the most angelic turbo flutter in the world it did it did it, it was did beautiful. sound great um the lack of the blow off valve was um was yeah great sadly siraj thinks it was the worst purchase i've ever made well yes because every time i saw it it was broken and that means it was broken all the time well maybe you were the problem then <laughs> yeah you reckon every time you saw it it was broken every time i was there and you weren't it wasn't broken so wasn't it it never went into <laughs> gear it wouldn't go into gear yeah, but that, I fixed that. It's a common fault on all Subarus. It wasn't a Forester pro- fault. What, that your gearbox doesn't gearbox? No. So what happens is the um, the cus- when you fit heavy-duty clutches to the gearboxes in the Subarus that have the factory-pressed um, met a steel clutch fork, yeah, uh, the, f- the, weight, the extra pressure from the heavy-duty clutch... Um, bends the fork. Punch. It doesn't bend it. It punches where the pivot point is inside the gearbox. Yeah. At punches through the fork oh, and it splits the fork in half. Oh. So there's a, um, I think there's a company in Melbourne called Veris Engineering who make a, I think it's either, um, it's an anodized CNC machined fork. It's like a billet fork. Yeah, it's a billet, basically a billet fork and it, um, it's 10, like 10 times stronger and wow. it can handle way more power and pressure. Okay. So okay. that's that's a common fault for anyone who... Not an easy repair, though. No, no. <laughs> no, it wasn't an easy repair. It was a two-day ordeal um, yep. that I had to borrow some workshop time to do. Yep, yep. Okay. So there was that, and then occasionally it would misfire. Yeah. So what we, f- what we figured out with that was it was randomly running lean or rich, sorry. It was running rich, and... Um, I found out after a long drive down to the south coast that the O2 sensor had the tip of the sensor where the, the cage that houses the sensor and the sensor itself had snapped off before the turbo and it had gone through the back of the turbo and shredded the turbines in the turbo and then out the exhaust and into the front of someone else's car. So, wow. So that meant that the car wasn't receiving the proper air fuel ratio readings <clears throat> and it was compensating for the lack of information by dumping extra fuel. So under load at low RPM, the car would bog down and wouldn't move. But once more air was being added to the excess fuel, it leaned, it, it leveled out and it got the right airflow ratio. So I replaced the O2 sensor and that solved that problem. Okay, okay. So it wasn't all bad. It wasn't all bad. It was definitely the most fun and most practical car I'd ever owned. That is true. That is true. But um, it was also very expensive in the upkeep and the maintenance. Um, So it had to go eventually to make way for cheaper cars and for the MX-5 to actually have a reborn life. Yeah. Yeah. More funding. I I decided that the MX-5 was more important. So... I decided while it hadn't, while the Forester hadn't cost me more money to list it for sale, and um, and then I made another mistake. Yes, instead of um, getting cash like most people do when they sell a car, Emma decided to get a bit of cash and another shitbox. Yeah, um, that shitbox being a 1986 Mitsubishi Triton single cab, but it that wasn't an average <laughs> Triton. No, no, it's um. I will actually post a photo of this Trident on our Instagram page. Post one of the good pictures, not the shit ones. Yeah, you send me a photo and I'll and I'll post it up okay. on Instagram All and right. I'll show you guys what I'm talking about when I say it's not a standard Trident. <laughs> Everything from the front to the back was custom made 
for the Triton. It used to be a show car. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it's a, it had airbag suspension. So at the press of a button, you could sit on the ground. Literally. Yeah, the car wouldn't move. I, I've, I've done... No, I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> the, the car can do things on the ground that normal cars can't do. Yep, yep. Yes, okay, okay. we'll say that. Okay. Um, so it, it, would, it would dump on its um, chassis rails. Yeah. And, and the tires would go above what? Yeah, they'd, ba- they'd still be touching the ground, but they wouldn't really have the same weight on them anymore. Yeah, yeah. But um, it had a custom fuel tank from what I believe. It was out of a Commodore. And, oh, okay. It was, a, it was a Commodore fuel tank, but it was still not the original tank and it was much smaller. Yeah, yeah. Much, much smaller from yeah. what I remember. I think it's uh, it was a 30 litre tank, maybe 35 yeah. litre, which Jeez. is almost, I think, a half the size of the original tank. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. And then the interior was completely custom. It was like Alcantara with like extra subwoofers and extra speakers yeah. everywhere and very, very you know, 90s spec, early 2000s spec modified yeah. show car. Yeah, no, it... Um, Where it was definitely less function, more form. Yeah, no, it was... It was At the time, I thought, yeah, this is really cool. I get to get rid of a potential headache. I have some cash in my pocket and I've got a car to drive as well. So in my head, I thought, this is a great deal. The guy's, the guy's an idiot for swapping his car for, <laughs> my, for mine. Um, but, then, but then that... Uh, the problems in the car decided to rear their ugly heads. So mm. I think uh, Siraj fondly remembers one uh, late night uh, adventure on the freeway, on the side of on the a, freeway. On the side of the freeway at what, 11 o'clock at night? 10 o'clock at night? Yeah. When so you got there, it was 11 o'clock. Yeah. And um, I own a car trailer and um, Emin calls me and he goes, He'd hey. owned the car trailer for less than 24 hours, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a brand new car trailer at the point. Um, I was super excited. I was like, yes, I had just made car ramps for it that day because none of my cars actually made it onto the car trailer. And um, and Emin goes, I'm broken down on the side of the freeway. Can you come pick me up with the car trailer? And I was like, oh, no. Yes, <laughs> I will come pick you up. So my girlfriend and I, in the middle of the night, decided to take a trip down the freeway. And as we're driving up, it's pitch black, but there's not a single (laughs) light. The only lights you could see was from the giant semi-trucks barreling down the freeway at 100 kilometers an hour. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, And Emin decided to break down right around... I didn't pick to break down there. (laughs) (laughs) Emin's shoebox decided to break down right around the curve in the 110 zone. At least you had it in the... Leftmost lane. At yeah, least I'd, I had it in the breakdown lane. At least it was in the breakdown lane. Well, there wasn't much of a breakdown lane. Yeah, I'd gone too far up the hill. Yeah, yeah. So the, so where he was, there was a ditch in the freeway. So instead of a breakdown lane, it was he was basically in the left lane on the freeway. So the, our freeway has three lanes. So obviously the rightmost being the fastest, the middle one being where people want to overtake trucks and the left one being where all the massive trucks drive on. Yeah. So they're basically the trucks, semi trucks are forced to drive in the left hand lane so that people can overtake them easier. Because I'm pretty sure trucks are li- limited to 100 kilometers an hour everywhere in is Australia. It? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I thought so they'd do 110. I've definitely well, seen them do 110. Their factory, their computers are limited to do 100. Oh, I did not but know. But people that. change that. Oh. So okay. that they can go faster, so they can earn more money in less time. Nice. I did not know that. Yeah. So trucks are because you can see sometimes it's uh, on the side of the road it says buses and trucks limited to this speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like uh, the trucks are physically limited to a hundred kilometers an oh, hour. There you go. Learn something new every day. But okay, so that was that was that, and um, I am there. We don't have a winch no. on my trailer, so we're pushing this Trident up a hill <laughs> onto a trailer yeah. with my new ramps. I'm like, oh, at least I get to try out my new ramps that I made. Um, made them from Bunnings Wood. Yep. Thanks to Mitch. Um, he will be coming as a guest on this podcast eventually. And, um, yeah, so we pushed this Triton onto... Very heavy Triton, by the way. Yeah. No, lots of steel. Lots, lots of, steel. of steel. Very heavy. Um, pushed this onto the trailer while avoiding trucks at that are going past at 110 k's an hour. Um, thankfully, Emin had a friend who had a golf... Um, that we could turn on the hazards a little bit up the road so they could see us before they turn the curve and um, and go into us. 
So, yeah, we did that in the middle of the night. Um, yeah. We didn't have enough time to even strap it down at that point. We're like, so we slammed it. So, because it sat on the chassis rails and the tires don't actually touch the ground at that point. So, we could just slam the car, just air it out, all the air suspension, put it on the trailer. It's not going to move anywhere. It's two tons of steel on, on like, just sitting on its chassis rails. Not even a rolling shell at that point. Yeah. <laughs> and it was um, just a giant paperweight. Yeah. And then we drove it back and then strapped it up and took it to his workshop. And, um, yeah, that was an adventurous night. Yeah, no, that was... I'm very grateful for Siraj... Oh, sorry. I'm very grateful for Siraj's girlfriend for forcing him to answer the phone that night. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> um, but also very grateful for Siraj being there to help uh, get the car and myself out of a very hazardous and sticky situation. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't the only mishap that car had. No. I had I had a very late night experience uh adventure once again but oh actually i also also like to tell tell something this breakdown where we risked our entire lives <laughs> and did everything for was um what was wrong with it emin uh, the fuel gauge didn't work on the ute so it ran out of fuel it ran out of uh, long story short it ran out of fuel emin made us pick him up <laughs> at midnight risk our entire lives die multiple times almost by trucks barreling down the freeway because he ran out of fuel. Well, we didn't know it was fuel at the time because the car would still start, but it wouldn't run for very long because the these cars, they run on mechanical pumps and the mechanical pump draws fuel from the tank instead of a pump in the tank pushing the fuel up to the engine. Yeah, yeah. So the mechanical pump had issues as well. It was failing. So it wasn't drawing. It still had a little bit of fuel in the tank. I reckon it would have been enough to get back to Sydney, but... It was the angle, the steepness of the hill and combine, combined with the failing mechanical lift pump, um, it caused it to, to fail. But long, long story short, put it simply, it wasn't, there was no fuel. Nice, nice. Um, but then a few weeks later, I think, or a month later, I ended up stuck with a puncture at 12 o'clock at night and me having to run around to different petrol stations in Western Sydney and Bankstown trying to find someone who was open who had a puncture repair kit to pu fix a puncture. So that was also another. And then that was the last straw. I was like, I'm not driving this car anymore. So I took it to my parents' house, dumped it at their house, and I took my dad's car. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's nothing wrong with a puncture. That happens to anyone. But I think at that point, you were just so over the trial. Yeah, I, was, like, I had enough. It doesn't matter what it was. Like, even a bee would have stung you in the Triton. You would have been like, that's it. I'm <laughs> selling the car. <laughs> Damn this car and its white paint attracting all the bugs. Yeah, that's it. Um, so then you started driving the Del Sol and the Triton had to go, which it eventually did. Yeah. Which um, which allowed for some funds to buy this 13B Renesis. Yes. And the gearbox and the stuff needed. Um, so now fabrication begins. Yeah, the the big fix continues. So thankfully, Emin works at a performance workshop of some sort, and um, it you do welding, you do yeah. fabrication. Yeah, we do um, light fabrication. Most of our work is light fabrication and heavy mechanical work. Yeah, yeah. Very little servicing. So you you should be more than enough yeah. skilled to do this entire car from now on. Yeah, no, I should I should be able to. I've I've got a lot to learn going from working in dealerships to working in a private shop that does fabrication and heavy mechanical work um so i've still got a lot to lot to learn a lot to put under to add to my skill set so welding will be one of those things which will come very handy it will be, will be very important for the 13b build yeah the mx5 but um fair enough emin yeah so um, yeah now now i'm kicking around in the del sol and then the mx5 is going to get its new heart yeah Mm. So the next time we catch up with Emin, hopefully this MX-5 is yeah. almost there. And um, and yeah, we've got we've got more plans we have for next year. Yep. Um, Emin and I are planning something big. So we will let you guys know at a future episode um, when we have enough equipment for podcasting to have three people on board yep. or four people on board. I would love to go through it with everyone. I think it won't, we yeah. won't do it justice without having the yeah. third person in. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Um, thank you, Emin, for coming on the show. No worries. Happy to come on anytime.
Um, so yeah, it, it it was a good story, and I think um, <laughs> a lot of people will learn at least something. Um, and yeah, if you have any questions for Emin, just comment on the photo of his Triton on our Instagram page. Uh, the Instagram page is the Automotive Society underscore, and um, I will be posting this episode up and posting a photo of his Triton up at the same time. So feel free to go and comment and let us know what you think. Um, Thank you all for listening and um, we'll catch you next time.